to another episode of Jesus and Coffee. Amen. My name is Jay Brooks and I'm your host for this daily devotional Bible study. I'm a Christian, a husband, a father, and a grandfather. I love Jesus and I love coffee, hence the name of this podcast. I have my Bible open in front of me in a nice hot mug of dark roast coffee, so I have everything I need to start my day. This isn't really about coffee, it's all about Jesus. I just drink coffee while I'm doing it, and I happen to love this song by John Waller. My wife and I met him two years ago this coming August at a free concert he gave at a church here in New England. We had a nice conversation, and he wasn't trying to get rid of us. He was genuinely interested in getting to know us a little bit. So check out his music, and if you have a chance, go to see him. I highly recommend it. He is a good Christian brother who loves Jesus and loves coffee, so that makes him my kind of guy. So let's get things started, shall we? Reading the English Standard Version, John chapter 11, verses 38 through 54. Almighty God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we ask you to open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your holy word. Change us with your word, because we desperately need to be changed. Speak to us through your word, because we desperately need to hear your voice. And reveal yourself to us from your word, because we desperately need to know you. Amen. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. 
So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. The word of the Lord. Amen. In the passage I read this morning, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This is obviously a very significant event. A man who has been dead four days and is well into decomposition, which is the reason Martha cautioned Jesus, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, walks out of the grave. It is also significant because this marked the beginning of the Jewish leaders seeking to kill Jesus in earnest. Prior to this, they had spontaneously picked up stones to murder him in response to something he said. Now, as a result of Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life, they are actively plotting his demise. I've read this so many times, and I am fully aware of how much these Jewish authorities hated Jesus, but it still amazes me. A man has been raised from the dead in front of many witnesses. He wasn't just sick and healed. He was dead and in his grave for four days. Then Jesus prays out loud. By the way, this is the first time any of the gospel writers records the words of Jesus' prayer. Jesus prays out loud and calls him by name, and he comes to life and walks out wrapped up like a mummy. This would have been something nobody could refute. This itinerant preacher from Galilee, this rabble-rousing troublemaker, resurrected someone. He calls his name, and that's all he does. He didn't chant any magic words. He didn't perform some kind of incantation. The one who spoke when the universe leapt into existence says, Lazarus, come out, and he comes out. As a result of this absolutely irrefutable, incredible miracle, the men in authority who are supposed to be spiritual guides decide he should die. The under-shepherds are now in direct rebellion against the shepherd. The men who are supposed to shepherd the flock are now plotting to kill the good shepherd. I am convinced that they knew exactly who Jesus was. They weren't confused. They just valued their status so much that they wouldn't let anybody take it away from them, not even God. This is pathetic. These men have a tiny little fiefdom. They get to lord it over the Jewish people as long as they keep them in line. At this time in history, the Romans rule the world. They have conquered Israel, and they are in control of not only the city of Jerusalem, but the temple as well. They have an army barracks, the Romans do, called the Antonia Fortress, built within the temple complex, from which they can quickly send out troops to quell any commotion. The Roman governor actually appoints the high priest, whose primary allegiance is to Rome, not the people of God or even God. Rome rules with an iron fist, and these men, who profess to honor and fear God, who flaunt their piousness, would rather keep this arrangement safe than truly honor God. I have heard many people say from time to time that someone is too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. This is utter nonsense. The more heavenly minded a person is, the more earthly good that person will be. Jesus was as heavenly minded as anyone could ever be. Jesus brought heaven with him when he came to earth. These men, the members of the Jewish ruling council, are too earthly-minded to be any heavenly good. These men have completely lost touch with God. 
The glory of God no longer inhabits the temple, and they are fine with that. They want to keep things the way they are because they have a tiny little bit of power and don't want to lose it. God is in their midst, and instead of falling on their faces in worship, they want to get rid of him. If he won't stop these things or just go away, we will kill him. Even today, many people get angry at the mention of God. They want to be in the words of the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley, the master of their fate, the captain of their soul. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I think, thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. This poem once described me. I remember reciting it from memory when I was addressing a gathering of about a hundred entrepreneurs. I thank God that he brought me to my senses. When I was the master of my fate, things didn't work out so well. When I was the captain of my soul, I was on the fast track to hell. Most people today are on the fast track to hell. They don't want to acknowledge God or allow him to tell them how to live their lives. They are hanging on to their stuff. They don't even realize that they don't have their stuff. Their stuff has them. Everything in this world is temporary. All of our stuff is going to burn someday. We go to the next life with nothing. You can attach a U-Haul trailer to the back of your hearse, but the stuff in there won't go with you. Please don't be like these men. Don't place high value on garbage. Make Jesus your great treasure and receive eternal life. No matter who you are or what you have done, God loves you and wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. Give your life to him. Amen. Thank you for listening to Jesus and coffee. Amen. And may God richly bless you, not with stuff, but with his grace.